Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be stirring ourselves up. Let's begin today in 2 Timothy chapter 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in the first verse, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee, by the putting out of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Verse 6 told us, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. The key phrase in this verse is stir up. The church needs this today. We need to be stirred up. But what exactly does this mean, and what does it look like? In the Greek, it means to kindle afresh, to stir up the fire, to fan the flame of. The classic Amplified Bible translates this verse as, That is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. This is important, especially in light of what we spoke about last week, the spirit of burning in Isaiah. Isaiah 4 and 4 says, When the Lord shall have washed away the filth for the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Last week we saw the spirit of burning was sent by the Lord to cleanse us from the sins, both in our lives and in the church. We saw we kindled the fire so that the spirit of burning could be sent. Revelation chapter 8 verses 4 to 5 say, And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, and filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings, and an earthquake. We saw how the kindling was our prayers, and how God would take the same censer in which our prayers were offered to God, and fill it with fire, which He'll send down to us. This is important as it relates to stirring ourselves up. Because once we had the spirit of burning operating in our lives, we can't just let the flame go out again. We need to keep it burning. We need to keep it going strong. Verse 6 said the inner fire. This is what we need to stir up. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. God is within us. And since he's a fire, fire is within us. But yet with many Christians, those who are supposed to be the ones on fire for God, those who are supposed to have the spirit of burning operating in their life, you wouldn't be able to tell. You would think it's the direct opposite. People let the fire start to die down. They let their relationship with God start to weaken. They let the fire burn down to just embers, not the raging flame that it should be. Many times we find people who were just saved, and they're excited, and they have zeal and passion for God. But then over time, they start to cool off little by little, until God has less and less of their time, until ultimately He barely has any of it at all. They get distracted. They have other cares that they need to attend to. They have things that they feel are more important uses of their time. So their time with God gets either continually delayed, completely forgotten, or maybe worst of all, purposely and knowingly set aside. 
Maybe they feel that the Christian life wasn't what they were promised it would be like. Maybe they feel that they're growing apart from God. Maybe they feel like being a Christian costs too much for them. These reasons, and many more, lead to a Christian letting the fire die down. After their old carnal desires began to burn away and were replaced with desires for the things of God, these new desires started to cool off. This is why stirring up is needed. We need the flame to start again. We need the flame to grow and to spread again. The other reason why we need stirring up in the church today, we can learn from cooking. When preparing many different types of meals, we need to stir what we're cooking. We need to stir the pot. Because if we don't, things begin to settle. This isn't just true in the natural. It's even more true in the spiritual. Sometimes we become too settled in our spiritual life. We become too comfortable. We get situated and refuse to move when the winds of change come our way. When the Holy Spirit tries to move in our hearts, we refuse to accept the change, and then we fight it and resist it. We can't allow ourselves to become settled. Settled is dangerous. Comfort is dangerous. It's been said that comfort is the greatest enemy of progress, and that's true in our walk of faith also. We won't grow. We won't mature. We won't learn if we stay in a comfortable spot. If we feel too comfortable with what we know, we won't desire to learn more. If we feel too comfortable with our prayer life, we won't pray as much as we should. If we feel too comfortable with the depth of our relationship with God, we won't desire to grow any deeper with Him. It's clear that this can lead to a slippery slope. At best, it means we remain stagnant. At worst, it means that we're beginning to regress and move backwards, ceding ground to the enemy that we had already taken back. We're warned in Scripture the dangers of regression. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 11 to 12 tell us, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. The key phrase is are become such. They became that way. They didn't start that way. They became it. Which means that they backtracked. They regressed from their original state. That's what a backslider is. A backslider isn't just a meaningless term that we throw around. It's somebody who is sliding back into a former state. In many cases, that's a former state of ignorance or immaturity in the faith. It's when people backslide, allowing themselves to settle and move backwards, that they need to be stirred up. The next thing we need to understand about stirring up is that we have to stir ourselves up. It's not something that God will do for us, and it's not something that others will do for us. God will help us once we take the initiative to do it, but He won't do all the work for us while we do nothing. It doesn't work that way. Paul makes this clear. He said, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. The emphasis here is on us. Once we know this, now we know that we have to act. The stirring up will magically happen. No preacher can do it for us. We have to do it. Many people are waiting for some visiting preacher or evangelist to come into town to stir everyone up. But they don't realize the mistake that they're making. They're waiting for something that isn't coming. All we need to be stirred up, we already have. The only thing we have to do is to act on it. But what exactly happens when we're stirring? At the fundamental level, stirring is emotion. We have to get moving. We have to awaken and arouse ourselves for action. The church becoming settled and immovable has led to them becoming immobilized by the enemy. The church has become like the five foolish virgins who were slumbering. We need to be awakened. The remedy is motion. We have to disturb the settled things. We have to disturb the parts of our life that have become too comfortable. We have to be shaken and brought to life again. The trees are shaken by the wind to make the sap rise so that life can return to the tree. 
And in the same way, when our relationship with God and our desire and passion for the things of God is beginning to fade, we have to stir ourselves up. We have to let the passion rise again within our hearts so that life and vibrancy can return. Without the shaking, the sap won't rise, and without the stirring, life won't return. Before we look at how exactly we can do this, we have to look at the devil's counterfeit of this so that we know what to look out for. The enemy and his people are stirring themselves up too, but not in the same way that we are, and the results couldn't be more different. Many Christians fall for these lies of the enemy. They get stirred up too, but they're not stirring the gift. They're not stoking the flames of the fire of God. They're stirring up other things that attempt to take the place of the gift. Proverbs 15 and 18 says, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Proverbs 10 and 12 says, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Proverbs 28 and 25 says, He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. This is what the devil is trying to stir up in people's minds and hearts. He stirs up strife, anger, hatred, greed, pride, envy, jealousy, contention, all the worst things that he has to offer. People who indulge in these aren't settled. Their minds are continually in confusion. They're agitated. Their lives are chaotic and disorderly. Agitation isn't always bad in and of itself. It can be what motivates us to act. But these people don't act in a good productive way when they feel that inward initiative. They act in a self-destructive way allowing these tools of the enemy to hold them back and destroy their lives. They're stirred up, but they're stirring the wrong things. These things become a flame in a person's life, and they burn within them. And as these flames grow, just like with any fire in the natural, they start to spread, which is the worst part. The devil's never content with the territory that he currently has. He's always looking for more. He afflicts with the intention for that affliction to spread. Proverbs 16 and 28 in the English Standard Version says, a dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. When people indulge in these different things, they don't realize that they're dealing with spiritually flammable substances. They may think that an occasional outburst of anger or the occasional fight, the passing fault of jealousy, that feeling of hatred that they harbor, the passing insult or hurtful word won't mean anything if they just indulge in it once in a while. But that's how the fire starts. It just takes one spark. And then it's not long before an entire life is engulfed in the flames. So how do we avoid this pitfall of the enemy? How do we make sure that our stirring up is in the way that God would intend for it to be? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in the 19th verse, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he have consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Verse 24 said, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And the ESV is translated as, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This is an interesting verse, because it's very revealing about the church today. 
The same issues plaguing the Hebrew church in the first century are plaguing the church right now. We can't do everything for ourselves, but we can attempt to give them the motivation to do something themselves, which is really the point of this verse. The word that's translated as stir up in the Greek means stimulation, provocation, irritation, angry dispute, a provocation which literally jabs and cuts someone so they must respond. This changes the way that we look at this verse. If we read this verse too quick and don't meditate on it, it's easy to miss what's really being said here. The church is in a sad and dire state when we had to provoke one another to love and good works. These are things that we should naturally be doing. These are things that should come almost automatically from a new heart and a renewed mind. For the people of God, who serve the God who is himself the personification of love, this shouldn't even be an issue, but yet it is. Part of the reason behind the ineffectiveness of the church, especially as it relates to witnessing to others, is this specific deficiency. If we had to be provoked to love and do good, then something is very wrong. John 13 and 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. We should be known for our love. But what does it tell those in the world when we had to be provoked into loving? It offers a distorted, disingenuous view of the Christian life. One that paints loving and good works as something that we're begrudgingly forced to do against our will. Not something that we do out of a grateful and willing heart. The problem is that people stop loving and doing good when they get too comfortable, when they start to backtrack, when they start to lose sight of where they started, which is exactly when stirring up is necessary. We'll find that it's not always the case that we need to provoke others. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we're the ones that need to be provoked. Sometimes we get too comfortable and relax and don't do what we're supposed to do. When we get to the place where we become stagnant, there has to be something that gets us going again. There has to be something that starts us in motion. Sedentary people never get anything done. Only active people do. It's been said that a body in motion stays in motion. It's easy to keep the ball rolling once it's already in motion, but it requires more exertion getting it going in the first place. And that's a principle that applies to everything in life, including the spiritual realm. This is why we need stimulation. We need that spark to get the flames started. And sometimes it takes irritation and even anger to get us to the point where we'll start the flame. Irritation and anger aren't things that we desire to experience. They're not things that we enjoy, but sometimes they're needed because they force us into action. The stimulant to get the flame going is our prayers. We need prayers in order to get the fire. Sometimes we get too relaxed in our prayer life. We start devoting less time to it, and we start to forget how much power our prayers possess. Sometimes when we aren't praying as much as we should, we need some irritation to provoke us back to doing it. Sometimes we need something to anger us to the point of acting. This isn't an anger that leads to hurt or division, or an anger that ends in itself. It's not like the anger that the devil and the world have. This is a righteous anger, an anger that produces something, an anger that bears fruit, like prayer. Sometimes the irritation will take the form of an affliction from the enemy that we need to deal with. Maybe life is starting to wear us down. Instead of praying, we just double down on our resistance, just trying to tough it out without talking to God about it. These afflictions can get to the point where we feel like we have nowhere to turn but God, which will lead us back to where we started, back to praying and communicating with Him. God never afflicts His people, but He will use them to our benefit. He'll use them so that we start to pray again, bringing us full circle to where we started. Other times, the irritation will be from what we see taking place in the world around us. When we see the evil and depravity that goes on in the world, 
Sometimes it will irritate and bother us to the point where we feel like we have to do something. We can't just sit on the sidelines while we watch lives being destroyed by the enemy all around us. At this point, we have to realize what we're able to do. And in most cases, there isn't much that we can do except prayer. And in this way, we're brought back to praying. The same way afflictions aren't from God. The evil that we see wasn't from God either, but He'll use it to cause us to pray. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7-8 say, And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot was vexed by what was going on around him, and many times we'll be in the same situation as he was. It's at this point that we have the chance to act. We can't control what people do. We can't control what they say or think. But we can pray for them. And that prayer can release the power and fire of God, which may be the very thing that brings about the change that we desperately want to see. This leads us to the last thing that we need to look at about stirring ourselves up. It's not just important for getting the fire started. It's also important for keeping the fire burning. Isaiah 64 and 7 says, And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. We shouldn't want this to be able to be said again. We should be the ones who stir ourselves up, who aren't content to just stay in the same place, not content to not see a move of God, not content to not see the fire of God sweep through this generation. The church needs to wake up. We need to get irritated and angry at the devil and his works. We need to get active. And when we do, we'll start to see the change that God is going to bring about. God doesn't need people who just stay sedentary and settled in the same spot, never moving, never taking ground from the enemy, and never spreading the light and fire of the word of God to those around them. He wants us to take hold of his promises, claiming them in faith through our prayers, and refusing to let go. Isaiah 27 and 5 says, Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. We have to take hold of all that God has for us and for the church. The promises are there for the taking. They rightfully belong to us. But if we never move out of our comfort zone, if we refuse to move, we'll never be able to stir ourselves up enough to lay hold of them. The best days of the church are still ahead, and we can play a pivotal role in ushering in those days. But we have to make the choice to stir ourselves up so that we can rekindle the flame of Holy Ghost fire in the church today. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that right now we can send up our desire that we want to see a change take place in this generation, in this world, and in the church. And we thank you that you're going to take those prayers that ascend as a sweet savor before you and fill that same censer with fire that you're going to send down upon your people. Lord, we know that the fire is coming. And we thank you that you've given us the wisdom and discernment to know our need to stir ourselves up. Lord, we thank you that we're being stirred right now. Lord, it may take irritation and anger, it may take upheaval, it may take change, but we thank you, Lord, that you're going to stay with us through it all, and that even when our life is moving this way and that, that you're going to keep us steady in the faith, that you're going to help us to grow, to go deeper with you in our relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you that we're going to have a renewed zeal and passion for your things and for your kingdom. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that the fire is going to burn away all those parts of our life that are holding us back from the blessings that you want to bestow upon us. Lord, we thank you for the great days that are coming. We thank you for the revival, for the healings, for the salvations, for the people who are going to be set free in the days ahead. 
And Lord, we thank you that we get to play a pivotal role in that as you use us as your vessels. And Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be stirred up and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.